What's up, War Report family? We are back with another great edition of the Auburn Express podcast powered by the War Report. It's Thursday. I got my girl Brandy Mack and my guy Auburn memes with me here on a Thursday morning to talk a little Auburn football. Auburn plays Penn State. Auburn plays Penn State, second year in a row. They're coming into Jordan here. Uh, we're hoping it's going to be a raucous environment similar to the whiteout in Happy Valley. Uh, but before we get into it, quick word from our sponsors. Young athletes need the tools for success on the field and on the court. And now more than ever, in the arena of business. In the new era of name, image, and likeness, Athletic Architects is here for young athletes and parents to help prepare for your financial futures. Let Athletic Architects start helping you build your house. Visit buildthehouse.com and let's build together. You're listening to the Auburn Express. Powered by the War Report. All aboard the AM departure from platform 334, the Auburn Express. We're running on time and expecting no hiccups. Doing the work, hard work, to bring you the best Auburn sports content you'll find anywhere. Guys, today we're going to deal with a simple question about this weekend's game. Is Saturday do or die for Auburn football? No more context needed. Let's go. Memes. This is a do or die weekend for Auburn. Yeah, I'm leaning, I'm little I'm leaning a little bit more from a fan perspective. It's definitely this is definitely do or die. Uh, from, okay. from a fan perspective, from a program perspective, and this is gonna sound so silly, and it must maybe a cop out of an answer, but I'm not changing my stance on this. I think it's less about if you win or lose, it's how you win or lose can dictate Fair. how this is gonna go. In a lot of different ways. But to say this is a crossroads for sure, and this is going to set a lot of tones. They really need this win for a lot of reasons, which we will discuss throughout this episode. Do or die for sure. Locking it in. Okay. Brandy, do or die this weekend? Um, You know, I'm going to go and say it's not do or die necessarily for Auburn when you look at the entire season. Um. Because, you know, what if we lose this game and then go undefeated the rest of the season? You never know. Um, but in terms of keeping the fans on board um, and just getting some momentum going into the next weekend, I feel like that piece of it is kind of do or die. Um, but when you look at the entire season, it's only week three. So I wouldn't consider this a do or die game um, from that perspective. So I think it could go either way, kind of like what Memes was saying. Mm. I I can't buy the narrative that a non-conference game for an undefeated team in week three is do or die. I just <laughs> do or die for what? Right? Uh, if you're a realistic fan, you don't necessarily have national championship aspirations, so it's not do or die for that. It's not do or die for the SEC West. It's not even an SEC game. What is this do or die for? Do or die for making the Birmingham Bowl, maybe? I don't, I don't, I don't get it. That narrative is out there on Twitter. Um, there are some things we watched Auburn versus San Jose State last week. It was a sloppy game. The first half was bad football, was it not? 
How, how did you guys feel about what we saw in the first half of San, San Jose State? And how does that make us feel going in to Penn State this weekend? It was tough to watch just as a fan. Um, it was, I mean, it was just tough. Like there were so many sloppy mistakes, just some undisciplined football mistakes that could have been prevented um, against a team that was definitely a lesser opponent. And I'm hoping we got all of those mistakes out of the way this week and they can take a look at film and adjust everything that they need to. So I, it could end up being a blessing in disguise that those mistakes happened this week. Mm, memes. Yeah. So one thing I want to bring up on that one is that first of all, you're right. I mean, that first half of football, especially from an offensive side versus group of five school that you should be handily better than that was some pretty sloppy ball. There's no denying that nothing really went your way. I mean, what was it almost? You almost went to the, you almost went two quarters an entire half without a receiver getting the ball. That's mm. not, that's not a very, unless you're running some Georgia tech triple option crap, like that's not exactly ideal given how many times they were trying to get it out there. You did throw completions, but to the other team twice. So once again, bad deal worth noting though, this I was at the game and, this could be a little spin zone on it right at the beginning. We just had this like 10 minute downpour, got everybody soaking wet out there on the field. It got the field yeah. wet, got the players wet in the stands. I don't know how much of that was on TV. And a lot of people started clearing out from that game pretty early. Cause you know, the week before we had a pretty torrential hour and a half downpour. So I don't know if people are like, well, not doing this, not sitting through this again. <laughs> I don't know how much of that would have been affected. I think the rain plus the bad play to start off throughout the entirety of the game. Now, minus the student section, we'll give them love on this one, but everybody else, even players included, it felt like there just was not a whole lot of energy out there. The fans were dead. There was nobody really feeding into that positive energy there. The crowd was not up. The crowd was not really making any noise. There was a whole bunch of people at left. Student section kept it lit. I just, I feel like, I don't know if it was a chicken and an egg situation here, but there was not a whole lot of energy in that stadium, that game. And I think that really reflected with kind of the pace of play throughout all four quarters, to be honest. Yeah. Listen, I tweeted out this week. If, if the football gods are right and just, there will be no rain in Auburn, Alabama this weekend. <laughs> when I saw that it was going to be raining, I was like, crap, we're going to have a sloppy football game. And I'm not blaming the execution on the weather, but I'm not saying it had no effect on what we saw either. Um, I think it may have affected the play calling a little bit. Uh, you know, you, you, if you feel like the conditions are slick and, you know, guys were kind of tripping over their own feet out there. And I think that maybe field conditions could have had something to do with a little bit of what we saw in the first half. But ultimately, the weather's forecasted to be great this weekend for Penn State. So uh, they won't have a weather excuse this weekend. Guys, let's talk about what Auburn has to do against Penn State uh, to feel good coming out of this game before the podcast memes we were talking a little bit about uh it's not really about whether they win or lose it's how they win or lose this game right if this isn't a do or die game what matters is how they win or lose how do they have to win this game to feel good about the rest of the schedule yeah so that is a huge deal here and just with so many narratives swirling around auburn there's definitely a lot of people on the edge of their seats Probably a lot of people not in the best emotional uh, stability, given the uh, what's been going around the program for the last year. But we'll even yeah, kind of narrow that down in the last six months, right? Yeah, a lot of mm. 
it's it's definitely like we're walking walking a lot of eggshells on top of landmines right now as far as the fans go. So it's not going to take a whole lot to set them off. With that being said, win or lose, you've got to see a few consistencies here. So one thing we're going to hit right now, because what are people really hypersensitive to right now already? Well, it's the turnovers. Got to stop the turnovers. Win or lose, you have a lot of turnovers. You're not going to have people sleeping well that night. If you keep having the consistent problems that you're having, it's also going to make people feel a little bit worse. Let's Mm. keep zooming in on that. The play calling has got to make people feel, hey, you know what? I feel like we called a pretty good game. I don't think that's been a problem thus far, but given the level of competition, it's really hard to judge. So I think you've got to say, hey, you know what? That play calling, that was a problem last year. That was on Mike Bobo. Keeps Keep that scapegoat going strong. You need to see confidence. <laughs> you need to see competency out of TJ Finley. There's still a lot of people who just feel like he's almost an interim starting quarterback till somebody arises. TJ right. needs to, this is his game to say, hey, you know what? I'm quarterback number one for the reason. And he needs to come out there and show that definitively once again, going back to the whole no turnovers thing. I think a lot of people felt like the defense was going to be the crux of this team. Given what we saw the past two weeks, there wasn't a whole lot of quarterback pressure. You let a, you let some teams that really were not as talented as you make you, make you look uh, not so great from the defensive side. So I think uh, we're going to need to see a lot more out of that pass rush to be putting pressure on the defense, excuse me, pass rush putting pressure on those quarterbacks to not let them improvise and keep plays alive. We need our corners, rather that be Pritchett, Scott, Simpson, James, to be keeping the eyes and making more plays on the ball. Like we can't be losing. We can't be constantly losing these 50-50 balls on the sideline. We can't constantly be getting torched by the slant. So what's to surmise all that, problems that we had the week prior or week prior to that, Cannot be a problem here. We cannot be seeing these things and saying, because what that just says is, well, the coaches can't teach these guys how to fix little things, and we're death by a thousand paper cuts cannot happen again. And especially if it's happening with less talented teams, well, people are going to say, hey, when you're playing up to your level, what's going to make you think that's not going to stop happening as well? I think the offensive line, a lot of people had pretty low bars on them. They just have to be competent. They just got to make some holes, feed tank the ball, about how you win or lose, people are going to be more apt to losing with Tank's legs than TJ's arms. And I hate to put it that bluntly, uh, but man, I don't know. I don't know. I but think if you, if you over rely on Tank's legs, it's going to be a really hard game. You're going to have to complete passes. No, no, but what I'm what I'm saying that though defense. is Tank has to have a chance to play. If you're looking and said, wow, he only got 13 touches that game and we lost, why didn't we feed Tank more, especially if he has a decent yards per carry average? If you give Tank a lot of chances and it's not as there, you're going to have... This is this is from a fan perspective. I'm not saying this is the correct perspective. I'm just saying this is how people who may not have the best opinions on football, as we call them the couch coaches, this is something that they're going to want to see. And I think you got to get Tank in the game, not only to appease those people. You're not doing it to appease those people, but I think it's pretty obvious that Tank is the best. Tank is the best player out there on offense. I think that is well. He, undi- de- well, he definitely left. had the most touches, right? Like he de- he had thirteen touches on Saturday. Um, the next leading uh, at, in attempts was Jarquez Hunter, uh, but the leading rusher on Saturday was Robbie Ashford. Right. Tank had but so you got But you got to get him in the game now. But with that being said, too, I mean, you got to get the receivers catching the ball too. I mean, really, there's no. It's got to be just 
pretty much perfect execution across the board. I mean, there really can't be anything sloppy. And if there is something sloppy, especially if that's something that's been sloppy for a while, it's going to make people win or lose. It's still going to make people feel a little rustle, a little restless. Well, you got to be get well, the sacks, get pressure. All right, let's, well, let's get Brandy in here. Listen, Brandy, this, this idea <clears throat> that, um, the offense needs to do X for us to be successful or Y to be successful. You know, a lot of people feel like, you know, feed tank. If you're like me, you're thinking a good team is not going to just let you feed tank. And I'm not sure we have the line to just blow people off the ball and play that sort of game. It has to be balanced. You know, what does this look like on Saturday, you know, for you to come away with a feeling that Auburn is trending the right direction? Yeah, I think, a lot of what Meme said, but then also limiting penalties. I felt like we were pretty undisciplined oh, in that category on painful Saturday. Painful Saturday. Yeah, so Preach. don't give away yardage. Like, just don't give away yardage on penalties like that. Obviously, we're going to have a flag or a couple flags thrown out, but definitely improvement is needed there. I think that's a big thing. Um, I know Meme said feed Tank and that he's the best player on the field. Well, Jarquez Hunter has been averaging more yards per carry in both games so far. Mm. I, I want to, I don't want to see us just feed tank. I want to see tank and Jarquez Hunter in the same play out there. Are you in I'm, the, are you in the tank is, is, is you know, the Jarquez is better than tank crowd. I mean, from what we've seen the first two games, I, I kind of am leaning that way. And Hot take. I, I know, I know, but you know, I I really do think this is like a Ronnie and Cadillac scenario in terms of the talent and the okay. execution that both of these running backs have. So I'm saying that by, but also like Tank is amazing and he is a great football player too, but he is averaging more yards per carry right now. And I want to see the play where they have both of them out there and the defense doesn't know which running back is getting the ball. I think when we are going to attack the run and establish it, that's how we need to do it because <laughs> We, we have the talent and we have the guys to be able to do it that way. Okay, but Brandy, right, let's let dovetail del- into the other part of this, which is play calling and what it's going to look like and the idea that maybe the coaches were saving a lot through these first two games that this offense could look completely different on Saturday, could it not? Absolutely. Means. I, yeah, I definitely think it could. Um, you know, I... I don't want to think like, oh, we're saving it because why would we save it when it was a close game against San Jose State? Like, we wouldn't just do that. But because well, you don't care but, about style points, right? You just right, want to get out the win, right? Right, right. So, you know, one good thing is we made a lot of mistakes in the in this last game, and this is something that is a term that's used a lot in the betting world, and that's variance. Okay. And variance is going to catch up to Auburn in a good way. All right. So we've had a lot of turnovers lately, a lot of penalties, and a lot of just sloppy mistakes like, you know, running backs falling down or, you know, a quarterback tripping another player or a receiver just falling on the ground, that's not going to continue to happen because it's just really not that common for things like that to happen consistently throughout the season, um, especially in this league. So, <laughs> Brandy said, by the law of pure averages, <laughs> no, Auburn has so to play better. Like, that's what they call it is like is positive or negative variance. And I think you're going to see some variance catch up to Auburn in the good column this week. So I'm, 
in a weird way, I'm kind of happy a lot of those really bad negative things happened against San Jose State. And, you know, some of those negative things happened against Mercer, too. I think we're going to see some positive variants catch up to us this week against Penn State. Mm, memes. Does this look different on Saturday? Do we see a different offensive football team? Does Harson break out the Boise versus Oklahoma offense, Sugar Bowl offense, or I'm Fiesta still, Bowl, or whatever the hell bowl that was? <laughs> I'm still, I'm just still shook. We got Murphy's Law coming into this game right here. I Yay. love that. Um, <laughs> as far as as far as the game itself goes. So you know they ran that they ran that trick play against Mercer. That one, the the nice little sweep that they uh, TJ said they got from uh, RG three at the Baylor days that uh, Keys found. So I would not be shocked if they did dig up a little trickery here or there. Now I think the depths of how much difference it, it going to look to see if or how Robbie touches the field this Saturday. We won't know that till game time. That could change a lot of how they're going to do things, either with the trickery or what his role could be looking like this weekend. Let's say they lean heavier for this conversation. Let's just say they lean heavier for TJ. I think it's going to be pretty similar to what we've seen. I think a lot of people have this pipe dream of like, oh, they're they're holding out the good stuff for uh, for, for Penn State. They're holding it all back. And I think that's just it's a little bit of a uh, kind of a fan fairy tale. I mean, they're going to run their playbook. They might pull out a few more stops. They might run things a little bit more at tempo to execute. Maybe they slowed it down the first two games to really make sure that they had it. And this one is like, hey, we got a little more confidence. But at the end of the day, like, how often do you really see like, oh, wow, that's a completely new playbook? I just don't think it's going to happen. I think it's just going to be more of what we've gotten. Because, I mean, what else are we really looking for? I'll say the one difference we might see this game that we did not see last week is we've not really seen any deep shots down the field. For sure, so, yeah. They've been managing that, I right. think, quite I'm a bit. I'm sure that'll and, be something we will see. Mm. Now, here's what I don't want to see in play calling. I don't want to see Auburn get super cute. Last year against okay. Penn State, I think they got cute. They got cute with the reverse to Kobe Hudson on the one play, and he fumbled the ball in Penn State territory, and then we lost by one score. Um, I just want to see them play big boy football and I want to see them do it for 60 minutes. I don't think if you have an awesome now, there's nothing wrong with adding a wrinkle here or there. I think like I, I just don't think there's anything wrong with adding a r- wrinkles to what you're doing. But ultimately, I don't want to see them get too cute and try to do things that are uncharacteristic. And I worry that. This is why the Saturday can't be do or die, right? Because if it's do or die, when, when you get down, you get desperate. And when you get desperate, you start doing things that are out of character for your football team, trying to win a game that ultimately, it's not that it doesn't matter, but unless you have national championship aspirations, it doesn't matter. It's not going to stop you from winning the West. Last year, this Auburn team lost to Penn State, almost lost to Georgia State, and then played significantly better after that stretch. So the idea that you can lose the season in week three is not a good idea to me. But uh, I want to stay here with play calling, but I want to go to the other side of the ball. I want to go to defense. Now, San Jose State's quarterback had a hell of a game. We watched the film before we got on the pod just so we could be all on the same page about what we saw. This guy was out there throwing darts. 
Um, a QBR of 62 and a half. <laughs> yeah, like he was, he was 275 yards. Yeah, yeah, played a great game. He, he was nailing those slants. Those are really hard passes to defend. Uh, you know, what do we want to see from Auburn defensively? Have we been holding something defensively back for this one? They've kept it pretty vanilla defensively. I feel like they've sat back in, you know, a little bit of zone. I asked Harson at media days about, hey, are we going to blitz the passer more in this offense? And he said it wasn't that we didn't do those things, but you'll see Schmetting mix it up. A lot of people felt like it had to be Schmetting calling the iron ball, right? And I was like, no. I think the game plan it was always to blitz Alabama because their line sucked. <laughs> and I said it from week two that their line sucked, and no one wanted to hear me. And this year, guess what? Their line still sucks. So, the, yeah, so the <laughs> so the uh, the message here is blitz Bryce Young in Alabama. But you know, w- what about Sean Clifford, man? Like, how do we play Sean Clifford? We let him have we look, made him look like Peyton Manning last year. Twenty for yeah. twenty two, man. How do they so defend I've, Sean Clifford? Yeah, so I've uh, I got his stats. I've got his stats pulled up over here. Okay, and so last year, his passing percentage. He ended the season with about 62.5% passing. 20 touchdowns, 6 interceptions, 117 yards rushing. Now, he did pad that a lot against some cupcakes, and he got negative yardage against good schools. Does have some feet. Now, this season where he's at against Purdue, he was 54.1%, 70.4% against uh, Ohio, uh, Miami, Ohio, or whatever, the, whoever they played there. Um, mm-hmm. And... He, what the heck? Go back. Anyway, his his average right now is like, I think at like 60. So moral of the story is that Clifford is not this, he's not the quarterback Auburn made him out to be last season. Uh, He's only thrown one pick so far, five TDs. Uh, He's got 16 yards rushing. But unfortunately, Auburn's been on the wrong side of that. And now something Harson did mention in the press conference after this game was, Auburn's played these guys before. We got film on them, but we've seen them head-to-head. This is an opponent we know. And they mentioned against uh, San Jose State that they came out with a lot of looks that they didn't prepare for. Said, hey, they were showing showing us stuff that we hadn't seen on film. So it sounded like Auburn had to make a lot of adjustments. I don't know, given the familiarity there, how much of that, because they got this game circled, like how much of that Penn State is exactly going to get away with. I think they're going to have a much better game plan for Penn State. Now, as far as defensively, vanilla, how that's going to look, it's going to it's going to really depend on what they see on film. And I'm not a scheme guy, so I'm not going to go deep diving and say, oh, you know, if you have this push, and <laughs> you know, I'm not, not that guy, and I'm going to be that guy. But at the end of the day, I think it's going to come down to you can't let him make plays on his feet. And this isn't a guy who shouldn't be making plays on his feet, but we're the last two quarterbacks, question mark. So right. our defensive line is going to have to create those negative plays. I don't care how they do it, however Schmitting schemes it up. Get those negative plays happen. Don't be whiffing on tackles. And then, like I said, if there's these 50-50 balls that are these 25 to 35-yard bombs down the field, Pritchett, Scott, Simpson, James, whoever's on that guy needs to not let those balls continue to be caught or get a pass interference call. It's just going to have to come down to simply, I mean, whatever the game plan is, but I think it's just really have to come down to like, just execute when you're got to make an athlete play. You're one-on-one with a guy, the ball's in the air. What do you do to make it not happen? So 
hopefully that familiarity is going to help them, and hopefully on the def- defense they can do something to stop it. And like I said earlier, just the house last week, I don't think made a whole lot of people feel super confident. But as we as you mentioned earlier against Georgia State, that is not always a true indication of how talented the team is. So hopefully well, that crowd at, noise can upset them too. Well, looking at Clifford's mm-hmm. passing chart, right? <laughs> like um, he's completed one pass of 20 or more yards so far this season. One. So you can't give up those balls. I, I feel like San Jose State got two or three on us. But it feels like you have to take that away from us. His NFL ratings between 10 and 20 yards is, is pretty poor. But, yeah, we can't have the death by a thousand paper cuts because, I mean, as you remember, those short little passes. Right here. Just, yeah, the, that little right down the middle, right to the linebackers. Like, those are the passes that Auburn, I mean, even back in Mississippi State last year, there's plenty of film that shows that this is something that this defense struggles with. So that's something that I hope they just say, hey, you know what? We don't need to pass it 20-plus yards. Let's keep it Let's keep it around 10 and just – 10 get it in the second don't let their don't let their very talented ends even get a chance to get near you capitalize that spot right there and just chip them away and that's something that just has me terrified because it's like how do you what do you do to stop that like i said i'm not defend- if i had that answer i'd be making a lot of money right now but well brandy by the numbers um their line is allowing about one and a half percent less pressure on sean clifford than they did last year uh there is a pressure rate of so far through two games, which is not great considering the competition that they played. Uh, uh, He's been sacked four times so far this season. Auburn is two games into the season and they don't have a turnover on defense. And that's, I think to me, that's the key on the game. Okay. The game is getting one turnover on defense, whether we score. I think, well, I mean, I would love more than one, but I think even if we get just one, that's going to set us up in a good position. Um, If we score on that, even better. If we capitalize off of it, whatever we need to do, I'm going to go ahead and make some bold prediction here. Maybe this isn't bold at all. Derek Hall is about to have the best game of his career on Saturday. Okay, all right. I like the bold prediction for Derek Hall. I I think that he's been been playing well. I just think that the play calling that we're going to see on defense is – not going to be exactly what we've seen in the first two games. Um, you know, it wasn't like there was a ton of pressure that the defense was putting on Mercer, San Jose State. And Derek Hall did not have a sack at all in the game against San Jose State per the statistical books. I know there was one play that you could have maybe, maybe he could have been credited with a sack there. But I think Derek Hall is going to have a phenomenal game on Saturday against this team, I think he just is a great matchup to just destroy Clifford. Mm. Well, re- rewind it to the late 2000s. Pontiac, game-changing play. Remember those? We need yeah. someone on defense to start <laughs> giving us Pontiac. Just, it's the nostalgia. I want to see like a, a big boy scoop and score like we saw happen against um, Mississippi State on yeah. the road with like, Montreal. I want to see most, something like that happen on Saturday. Statistically, the guys have all been playing well, but we need someone to step up and just nick fairly this thing, Derek Brown it, and just make some game-changing play. Oh, God, he just got a six, he just 16-yard sack, that guy. Or, you know, he swatted that ball down that – the guy was wide open the third down. You know, just something that is that play right there shifted the momentum. Like we've got to have somebody on defense make those kind of plays. And I think that's what we're all, as I've kind of used the illusion, sitting on the edge of our seat, 
we're waiting for that person. Is it going to be Papo? Is it going to be Echo? Is it going to be right. Derek? Is is Pap is Pap disappointing Coffee. so far? Yeah, he, he is he disappointing. Happened. He has been. I think he has been. He mentioned that in his press conference, and because someone had asked him just about the play, because you know he mentioned this game specifically. He says, "Well, Penn State game, you know, I got hurt last year. That's on and out." So. He had this one circled. He's like, I want to really show out this game. And he, the phrase he used was, I'm kicking off the rust. He didn't play a whole lot. So yeah, I got to get the rust right. off. So I definitely feel like there's a very fair reason to say he has not been living up to the potential that he has and people need him and want him to have. So let's, I mean, I think we're talking about a do or die game for him. I mean, I think this is a big one to say, hey, like, Owen, are you going to be the guy? I mean, Riley's out there making plays. Steiner's been making plays. You're the guy, though. And Harson said, he said the quote about Papo, he said, think about Owen. And I think Harson really likes him, but his, his tone and eyes that have said, Owen prepares like a pro. That was the he quote does. that Harson said. So let's. Man, well, listen, he, he whipped on a tackle. He whipped a big time on a tackle on Saturday. It was not what you expect from. You know, one of your senior leaders on defense, one of your team captains, just completely whipped on a guy. And uh, at times, even last year, Zacoby McLean would take poor angles to the ball carrier and blow past tackles. Uh, I think playing under control and not giving the defense more than what they earn on a play is going to be very, very important for this team. Uh, you know, kind of looking at the numbers here, both Eku and Derek have two sacks, two games in this season. Right. Um, you know, these guys are monsters, eight and five tackles, respectively, uh, for each of these guys. Uh, but I'm going down this list and it feels like somebody in the secondary has to step up. Now, Harson mentioned that DJ James and Keontae Scott are picking up more of the system and they, it looks like they're becoming they're becoming stars before our eyes, especially Keontae Scott. Now, we, Keontae was he was awesome this last weekend. For sure. Now, we interviewed him in a building rapport this summer before he arrived on campus. I was really impressed with that young man and his intelligence and his knowledge and love for the game. But he's been everywhere making plays for this team, knocking down passes, making tackles, uh, running up in the run game. And then DJ James had a chance at a game ceiling interception on Saturday. He got the ball wrestled away from him. They eventually ruled it incomplete. But if we're looking at this defense on Saturday, guys, talk to me. Who makes the, the game-changing play on defense now that we're two games into the season? Who do you see here? Who steps up and makes the game-changing play? I'm telling you guys, it's going to be Derek Hall on a third down stop that we absolutely need to get the momentum. Okay, but is what I'm saying? What I say? What I say? Game changing play uh, because I expect him to get third down stops. I mean, like I mean, like sack Clifford for a fumble. Okay, all right. Auburn recovers it type of play. I'm telling you guys, that is going to happen this weekend. All right. Well, the betting lady is a monster that is just waiting to be unleashed, and that's happening this weekend. Okay. Some, uh, the betting lady has her money on Derek Hall. Memes, who do you got this someone weekend who's to make playing, a play? Somebody who's playing with some moxie. I'm, I'm going to go a little uh, a little off the defensive line a little bit. Someone who's playing with some moxie that I liked was Kaufman. Okay. All right. Let's see, Ooh, let's see, him, like let's see him do Let's see him do a little bit of damage on the backfield. And you can always – I mean, I still love Echo Leota, so I'm not going to sleep on Echo, but for sake of being a uh, – jump in a little different direction – Kaufman, lock it in. Yeah. Now, I do want to, in the secondary, I want to talk about Nehemiah Pritchett for a second. 
This is a guy that a lot of the players told us was almost unanimously the fastest guy on the team, right? Tons of speed out there. It feels like, to me, I asked this question after game one, it felt like Mercer was picking on him a little bit. Um, But he was covering their best receiver. And then game two, it felt like, all right, like it feels like what's on tape is you can go after him and complete passes. Is it time to start looking at somebody else in Nehemiah's spot in that secondary? It's, I mean, the depth chart, the depth chart has Scott right there. <laughs> it hurts. To, it hurts to say, right? But I, like, does, I, was, oh, man. I, I think it depends, but you see, I think maybe one of those deals where depending upon, are they running out their nickel and what they found, what they're running is all right. Hey, are we going to, ma- are we going to switch these matchups a little bit, depending upon what we need versus in a good situation. I'm looking up Penn state's uh, leading receiver right now, Tinsley, and he's six one two oh six. So from a size perspective, Nehemiah Pritchett's also six one. So he matches up. I'm looking at their next guy here, five ten, and their third guy, which I guess is a tight end here, is six three. Who the they both eighty eighty nine and ninety yards respectively. Their next receiver is six one. So from a size perspective, there's not a mismatch out there that I'm seeing right now, unless y'all got some secret Penn State intel that I'm not seeing. So that shouldn't be something that they got to worry with. But yeah, I mean, you got to circle Keontae Scott there unless I'm seeing something y'all aren't seeing. Yeah, I'm with you on Keontae Scott. Like, Keontae Scott is a ball player. And this was somebody who, where you got to remember, we, in the offseason, Harson went out and got the number one overall Juco player in Thanos the number one corner and the number one Juco safety and Keontae Scott and uh, Marquise Gilbert. So these got, were guys that played at a high level at the Juco in the Juco ranks. They garnered the number one ranking at their position, transferring into Auburn. And they're making, uh, they're making a push to start early. What I have liked about how they've managed the first two games is a lot of guys have gotten the chance to get on the field. I think that's attributed to some of what we've seen. Like, like they really use these first two games to evaluate who are going to be the guys in real game time. I think you accept some mistakes because they're using the game for that purpose. Uh, and then they buckle down in the second half if they had to to make sure that they didn't lose. There's a there's a there's a small chance, guys. Like the bug in me, really, really, really thinks there's a chance that Auburn comes out and looks like a completely different football team on Saturday. I think you start to nail down your lineups. I think you start to choose some guys. I, I really do feel they have to settle in at quarterback. If TJ's going to be the guy, you got to leave him out there. If you're going to play Robbie like this, you can't. I don't know. I just feel it's a little unfair. To send him out there, he throws an interception, but then he doesn't get to throw another pass for the rest of the game, like or one more pass for the rest of the game. It's hard to settle in as a passer if you're not getting any consistency. I think they're going to have to do something at quarterback, but you know, God, it's really hard when he's so dangerous with his legs. Like, how do you keep him on the bench? How do you not use that? He was your leading rusher on Saturday on seven carries. <laughs> We got some legs on the team. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've got speed everywhere. So it's it's just going to be really interesting to see and watch how they manage Saturday. And if they if the chips get down early, you're at home, what do you do? 
And the defense can really come out and make a statement. They, they can't let Clifford look like he did. He looked last year. They just can't. So Keontae yeah, Scott, I, Derek Hall, Eku, anybody calling hey, all gonna, stars I'm on gonna, defense. I'm going to circle Jalen Simpson too. I think Ooh, yeah. you know, an experienced player, I, I feel like he needs a good game. He needs a good game. And I think this could be a good opportunity for him to have one. So I'm circling Jalen Simpson too. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I've been a little disappointed in Simpson so far. Me too. That's why I think that there's an opportunity for him to kind of write his story a little bit. For sure. In, in the right direction this game. Yeah, these are guys um, with talent. He has experience. Like, you know, he no. he played against them last year, so he knows what to look for. Memes. You know, you got me. You got you got me in my feels right now, Mike. That was uh, <laughs> uh you got me just I'm I'm running I'm Doctor Strange in it right now. I'm just you know running through millions of scenarios in my head. Oh my how God. this game's how this game's you gonna got the work. Time stone in your hand? Okay, all right. But I yeah. agree, yeah, yeah, I'm time stoning it. Uh I, I agree with you on TJ Finley. I think the rhythm because once you saw and like I said in my rewatched the game. In that second half, like he was making, if you did no penalties, like he was making some good threes, good threes, basketball season, good throws. <laughs> and he was, once he got in the rhythm and you could really see it. So I think this is something, I think you're a hundred percent right on. All right. We've, we've seen the guys, we've seen the rotations. We need, we see who needs to be out there. Using these games as an extended, I'm not going to say a practice because that kind of sells it short, but a little bit more of a lower stake scrimmage. All right, well, we know what we need to do. Let's buckle down and doing it. And I think with TJ specifically, do or die for him. I mean, this game is really going to set the pace for the season. If he comes out and he shows out and he plays a 2020 South Carolina-style TJ game, everybody sleeps better Saturday night. And if he plays like that, Auburn wins. So... Yeah, that's that's what's going to have to happen. Uh, I think uh, I think uh, Javaris Johnson has done a fantastic job of stepping up. Shed has been Shed's kind of about where I thought he'd be, probably number two, just a very consistent guy. But figured someone would jump him. It looks like that is so far with um, Johnson. I think Schenker has been very consistent. I think the next story is going to be is who's going to be that next guy to step up. Is it going to be Dawson? Is it going to be Johnson Jr. Or is it going to be Coy Moore? Uh, I think that is going to be the next storyline on offense that we're going to need to see is all right, who's going to be the the number four guy in the receiver room who's going to show like, hey, I want the ball in my hands. So these are things we need to really start seeing come time Penn State. And one thing we hadn't mentioned yet, too, just a very brief note, is we don't need to be doing any more shifts on offensive line. Like, get our guys, let them sit there, and let them ride. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they manage everything on Saturday. I want to close the pod talking about what we saw in the SEC West this weekend. Guys, Auburn was almost unanimously picked to finish last in the division. Two weeks in, it seems like there might be some other candidates for last in the West. I'm looking at you, Jimbo, in Texas A&M. They lost to Appalachian State. This is why I think the whole this is a do or die game is ridiculous. By no means do I think that Texas A&M is just packing it in for the season after that loss to Appalachian State. Mm-hmm. They haven't lost an SEC game yet. Right? You put that behind you, and, you know, listen, they obviously have some deficiencies uh, moving forward. I think Appalachian State was a little underrated. Um, this was a tough team that they maybe probably looked past a little bit. But, you know, how do we feel about the state of the SEC West right now? Outside of Alabama, 
it's wide open, is it not? I mean, I I think it's wide open and not even outside of Alabama. I mean, they struggled with Texas and Texas quarterback got hurt late in the first quarter. So, um, and they struggled with them the entire game. Um, I think the West is wide open. I will say just like a team I was very impressed with on Saturday was Arkansas. Their defense is something that really surprised me. Mm. The transfers that they got in, one guy from Alabama, I mean, he just balled out, had a great game, given they did play South Carolina. But I think that is a team to watch out for. And they did get the preseason hype. And at least after Saturday, I feel like they're headed in the direction that they want to be. But LSU has a non-conference loss already. Texas A&M has a non-conference loss already. Um, it's hard to sit here and say that Auburn's the worst team in the West right now, and we're two and zero, and there's two teams in the SEC West who are one and one. So, right, memes. How you feel about the SEC West, man? Bedlam these first two weeks in college football. Upsets galore. Texas A&M joined the ranks of the absolutely embarrassed on Saturday. College college football's back, and the second best thing of cheering for your own team is cheering against the teams you don't like. Had a lot of fun doing that this past weekend. And let's be real. Let's assume on Texas A&M because I think that's the biggest surprise so far. Their next game is Miami. Then they play Arkansas neutral site. They play at Mississippi State and at Alabama. There is a good chance that going into the game against South Carolina on October 22nd, Texas A&M could only have one win. Like They may not make a bowl at this point because Arkansas, I mean, Miami and Arkansas both looking they might just do the job. Mississippi State's looking pretty good. I think Mississippi State and Arkansas are digging for that number two spot in the SEC West right now. You're not beating Alabama. You don't think Nick Saban's going to let you get that revenge game. No. Your best player is playing for Auburn right now. Sorry, Jimbo. Not happening. And then you still got an away game in at South Carolina. So it's just they've got a tough gauntlet. This is great for Auburn. And, hey, I hate I hate to really kind of play this cop-out here deal. Uh-oh, but okay. All right. for a, other people to implode – puts a lot less pressure off Auburn. If everybody else is doing really bad, that may give us a little bit more grace to kind of skate by and say, hey, you know what? We got eight plus wins this season. We got not whatever the total may be is definitely helped by other people playing bad. I hate to use that cop out, but it is something very relevant (laughs) there. LSU, loving that train wreck as well. I haven't really paid too, too much attention to Ole Miss. They hadn't gotten a major test yet. That was one I had a question mark because of all those transfers. I think the West is so interesting because everybody hyped up the West. And, I, and I've been saying this for weeks before the season started. I said, all these West teams cannot be really good. Brian Kelly can't do it. You know, da, 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 Jimbo's recruiting and all these other, oh, you know, Sam Pittman and Lane Kiffin and Mike Leach, Aerate is some teams have, they all can't win 10 games. Somebody's going to have to lose. We're seeing it unfold before our eyes. Auburn just has to rise above that occasion. And I will say, eating some crow here, I think the East is better than I gave them credit for. Mm. Fortunately for Auburn, we have Missouri this year, so it is very nice to catch a break in those regards and not have to play an up-and-up Tennessee or Kentucky. So it's like nice to dodge a bullet every once in a while. But... I think for Auburn's sake, you've got to cheer for these teams to implode. You played AM late in the season. You got to hope that they have a really bad stretch here and Jimbo just loses that locker room. And you can get that one out of the way. You got to take care of business in Missouri and you got to hope you can get LSU before they can get some things turned together and then just try to go, try to get two of the three with Mississippi State, Ole Miss, and Arkansas. 
we can have a decent little season here. Oh, man. Let me tell you something. Brian Kelly and LSU, I think they're learning. I think that they are a perfect example of there's first of all, there's tons. There's five star talent all over that team. But first year head coaches in the SEC West who come in and have huge culture changes that they have to make tend to struggle in year one. It's tough putting it together in year one. It, it is. is. I will say, I think Mississippi State's on upset alert in Baton Rouge this weekend, though. I believe in Will Rogers, and I think Mississippi State has a great team. And I think Mike Leach knows what he's doing. But Is that considered State, an upset at this point? Like They're, they're favored. Mississippi State's favored okay. in Baton Rouge. Yeah, by okay. Vegas. So I, I would consider that an upset. And they're 2-0, and LSU's 1-1. So, yeah. Um, they just had a long road trip out to Arizona. Late, late game. Both weeks in a row, two late games, late game against Memphis that went into a long delay similar to Auburn's. And then they traveled out west to Arizona and it was a Pac-12 after dark game, basically. Um, And now they have to go and play a night game in Baton Rouge, which no matter how good or how bad LSU is as a football team, like those students and those fans show up and show out in Death Valley. I would not be surprised to see LSU beat Mississippi State this weekend. Ooh. Even though we saw even though we saw what we saw against Florida State in that game and that was rough to watch. Brian Kelly, I think he's still a, he's still a good coach. I think Mississippi State is on slight upset alert this weekend. Brandy, hey. uh, Brandy's been tossing some hot takes out tonight. Yeah, Mike. all right. Hot, hot, take. Hot, take Brandy. <laughs> hot take Brandy on a Thursday, guys. Hot, hot take summer. <laughs> Shut up, memes. So <laughs> we are we are here. It's Thursday. This is the Auburn Express powered by the War Report podcast. I got my guy, Auburn Memes, my girl, Brandy Mack here. We're going to be back with you guys next week to talk about what we saw this weekend and preview Missouri next Thursday on the pod. You don't want to miss it, guys. We're signing off as always. War Eagle. War Eagle. War Eagle.